do something a little different today. Um, this is Brittany, my daughter. Hello. For me, uh, so this is very different. I always have uh, notes when I'm pre preaching from, and I'm one of those people that manuscript sermons and then kind of wanders away, but basically I always have notes to come back to. Um, today I really don't, so I hope that what we say makes sense. But uh, just to let you know, we want you to be relaxed. We're going to be talking about fatherhood in a father-daughter relationship. And I don't know exactly what's going to be said, and that's okay. Um, I don't know if you do either. She might, she might be more prepared. Um, because fatherhood is a little controversial, I, I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture that talks about the beginning, uh, the beginning of fatherhood and actually beginning of marriage in Genesis. Um, just to give us a foundation this didn't used to be as important um, to lay down as it is today with all the various controversies and all the incredible untruth that's out there. It's important to establish the biblical truth um, of fatherhood, not only our heavenly father, but uh, fatherhood. It says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. When we get to verse 26, it says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, very good. Then it talks about his rest. And then it says, The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Then he talks about the creation of woman. He basically said, The Lord God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to man, and the man said, wow. That's exa not exactly what he said. He said, this is how now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God created man and woman. He created marriage. And in that marriage relationship, we have fatherhood, fatherhood. Now, what we say today, I hope you don't think that in any way we're lifting up anything that I've done or said or whatever as the ideal. We all have different experiences. What you say? I was kidding. Oh, okay. The, the, um, the, the issue is we are all working through our roles together, but we want to elevate the role of fatherhood today based on the role of God, our Heavenly Father. And so uh, we just want to take this time. We're going to um, be asking some questions and trying to find some answers. And, uh, and I think uh, 
Brianna, our other daughter, sent some information as well. So uh, she couldn't be with us. She's in Atlanta. But anyway, so let's um, let's start. Go go for okay. it. Awesome. Are you nervous? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna have a little fun too, but also just want to frame up. Everything is in honor. Um, my parents weren't perfect. I definitely was not perfect. I'm a little closer now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully improved. Um, but yeah, so we're just gonna share um, some of what dad framed up well in the home and you know this includes mother too i gave mom permission to chime in from the front row which can be dangerous but but anyway yeah so we'll share some of the great things and some of the challenging things that we've worked on and are continuing to work on um but yeah okay you okay. ready yeah you got the first question all right yeah so i'll just kind of go through these and we'll just kind of flow in conversation form. So um, why is fatherhood important? Well, the, the whole foundation, the whole foundation of society and culture is a family. And God created the family uh, to function. And in order to have a family that functions well, there has to be a leader. There has to be someone who is responsible to God. God is our father in heaven. And basically God uh, has established leadership. And, of course, leadership is life-giving leadership. It demonstrates love, compassion. It's not dictatorial. It's loving and compassionate. And I think that, that as God is the father of the family of God, God has established fathers to lead. And it's servant leadership, as is made very clear in the Bible, uh, servant leadership. Without fathers, one of the biggest issues in our culture today it's fatherlessness, where there's no father. And mothers step in and do an incredible job raising children on their own and helping. But without the father there, there's a huge issue. Um, and it has affected our entire culture. Um, and so fatherhood is absolutely critical to our culture and our families. Yeah. And it's interesting because the... the when I stepped into adulthood and the older I've grown um, beyond, you know, childhood, I've, I think I took for granted having such a wonderful father and started seeing a lot of my friends um, who didn't grow up with that, who didn't grow up with a father affirming them, creating a safe home for them, and how much how much they have to work on foundationally with the Lord in that aspect um, to receive that healing. And um, it's, it really is such a critical thing and has such an impact when that's not there. Um, but what's amazing is that any father can be a father to others, you know, and, and step into that role as well. And I've seen that in different aspects in the body of Christ, as I know, a lot of you guys do is add fatherhood to the fatherless, which is so important. Um, awesome. You kind of hit all those points under there. Um, okay, so a little more personal now. So as a father, Dad, how did you prioritize and balance church, family, and your own relationship with God? That's a real good question. Um, 
how do we balance priorities um, in our lives? And as being in ministry, or if you are working a job, how do you balance work and family? Uh, in church, basically, uh, I've seen a lot of pastors that get confused, and they make church the most important priority, and family is kind of down here. And it's, it was very important for me to say, you know what? Um, family's first. Uh, family has to be first. It's not uh, career. It's not church. It's not ministry first. Um, it has to be that. Um, the most important part, of course, obviously, and this is, this is confusing, too, when you're a pastor. How do you differentiate between my walk with God and my ministry? You know, that, um, it means that I have to make sure that my first priority is my, my quiet time with God. Um, it's not sermon prep time. It's, it's reading the Word and prayer, spending time in the Word and prayer, it's totally separate from ministry. Um, now, do things come out of my devotional, personal devotion time? Absolutely. I go, wow, that's a great passage. I've got to preach that sometime. Or, or that really speaks to me. I've got to share that with somebody. But it's critical. It was critical in our, in our journey, too, to make sure that the first priority was my relationship with God and then, and then family. Uh, who's next? Yeah, so how, when you were a kid... What ways did you see your dad do that well or ways that you thought you wanted to do differently for your own family? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, my, my father grew up in the generation where work is everything, you know, and, and the high work ethic, et cetera. And so, so the work ethic um, would tend uh, to supplant some of that family time. And, and I think the things that I remember that I, that I tried to correct, um, that uh, a lot of times when I had a, um, a game or something, I played athletics in, in junior high and high school, and sometimes dad would go do a church thing instead of coming to my games. And what I discovered um, and in my life and as I go to our, our kids' games, some of the most important ups and the downs, disappointments happen in an athletic contest or at a concert or some event, a play or a drama. And saying um, that, so that became an absolute uh, priority for me, for our kids, and saying, you know what, um, I'm going to make sure, and, and fortunately, I had the flexibility, because I set my own schedule, to the, for the most part, to be able to go to um, our kids' concerts and recitals and games, and, and uh, we were very busy. Our kids did everything. But it was, as some of you parents have that, had that experience as well. Um, but I think that prioritizing that and saying uh, family is going to be first over that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. So thinking back to how I observed mom and dad, like I remember being a little kid, seeing both of them having their own devotionals with the Lord in the morning. Um, I don't remember them ever telling us that we needed to do it. They just did it, and it made me want to. I'm like, wow, they'd, you know, they'd, they'd have their separate spots, you know, in the house. And, um, and so I just remember observing their actions. Like, they led by action, not just saying we had to do certain things. And, and also another thing I really appreciate um, is that they never told us we needed to act a certain way because we were pastors 
or because we were pastor's kids. And it was just, we're believers. We're children of God, and we, we're responsible for our own relationship with him. And that was something I didn't realize till I probably got into high school and was around other pastor's kids who it was like very obvious their identity was attached to being PKs, as they called them, like, um, oh, they're the PKs. And there was like this expectation, um, but it was framed up in their own home. Um, and, and I started seeing a lot of kids who grew up in ministry homes not actually having their own relationship with God, but doing it out of appearance because that's what was framed in the home. And so I was like, wow, I'm so grateful mom and dad never did that. It's like, this is, this is who we are regardless of what our assignment or our job or occupation is. Um, and then, yeah, like I will affirm <laughs> that mom and dad came to all of our games and, and dad really did like bend over backwards sometimes to make sure he could come. Even, even when we started going to like state tournaments and stuff, like you would, you would try to work your schedule and, um, like come out and support the, the only game he missed of mine, (laughs) which was out of his control, but I ended up getting rushed to the hospital, (laughs) but it was kind of a, a funny moment. I mean, not in the moment. No. It was funny afterwards. Yeah, I get the call saying, Brittany's on the way to the hospital in an ambulance. Seriously. Did yeah. you feel like it was your fault since you didn't well, go? I, 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 don't, I don't remember, actually. I was just you know, kind of... He blocked you, out the you always You always got hurt. So it was... She had this thing with brain concussions. No, this so was before the concussions That was before started. concussions? Yes. Oh, this okay. was my first... I think serious injury. Okay. So, so just <laughs> so y'all know, and you can look it up. I don't know if it's the same as it was 15 years ago, but women's soccer is the third most dangerous sport in the world, even more dangerous than rugby. Um, and girls are vicious, and so I was on <laughs> varsity, varsity soccer, and and see, like guys are rough, but the girls are sneaky. So like, and I was playing midfield with these giant girls. And when the ref, the ball was going down there and the ref would turn away. Oh my gosh. They, this one girl almost snapped my neck basically. And I was like, couldn't move. And, but I'm, I survived and I still felt loved because it wasn't like a normal thing for dad to ditch my games. And, (laughs) um, Yeah. yeah. And we survived. So, um, yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see what else. Um, Here, let me add in. So my sister wrote a few answers, too, wanted to give her voice. Um, She says that family was always first, then church, then everything else. I never felt unimportant. I always felt the love my dad had for mom and then us girls. It was never a question in my mind. I'm so blessed beyond to get to say that. Um, And she would want to live very similarly uh, in her own family. We're both still waiting for our husbands, and we haven't had our own kids yet, so it's... (laughs) So that part hasn't come, and I moved back in with my parents, so apparently we get to work on more stuff. 
Just for a season. That was an adjustment. Just like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> After 12 years on my own, then I came back. I'm older than I look. They're not, though. They're very young. Um, anyway, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, another, another thing I just wanted... Oh, wait, no, I'll, I'll wait till this next part. Okay, because this is good. As a father, how did you build trust with your children and teach them to build trust with you? Um, I, think, I think the best way to build trust is consistency and honesty. I think that kids steer. And so if you... Say one thing. Hold it higher. Higher? Okay. I kept turning it off. Okay, that's good. Um, honesty and integrity. Kids see everything. And so if you say, if you say one thing and then you act another way, um, they'll, they'll tell you. And, and it, it, I won't confess and say that, that never happened, okay? You can just say it happened. But you said this, Dad, or, or you preached this, or you said this in church, or you, you know, whatever. Uh, don't, you know, don't tell me what I said. Just do what I say, not what I do. Um, it was, it's one of those things. It's the normal reaction because kids hold parents accountable. It's just, it's, it's just true. But I think that um, trying to be consistent with that so that um, we were honest with each other and, and honest in conflict. Um, and I'll, I'd be amiss, remiss to say that um, now our youngest was a little bit more malleable. Brittany was pretty strong-willed. And so if there was a conflict, it was usually between Brittany and me. Um, true story. <laughs> how many stories do we want? No, that's okay. <laughs> um, so it was, it was an adjustment having someone who was very strong-willed and she always had to know why. Why? Say, because I said so. You know, it's just you can't explain certain things to an eight-year-old or five-year-old. Sometimes you just have to say that's just the way it is. Um, but she wanted to know why, and, of course, that challenges all of us to be able to say. And I would say, okay, now, why is this the case? And so that, that's a challenge, and it was a challenge. Um, but then saying, okay, how do we deal with and go forward after we've had uh, a disagreement or conflict, um, and who's going to come out in charge? <laughs> that was always the question. Uh, well, it never was a question for me, but it was for, <laughs> it was for her. Um, but, but conflicts that happened, and, um, and I think that uh, honesty and integrity, where you um, do the best you can to say the truth and yeah. be consistent, consistency. Yeah. One, and this is something I actually don't know. I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask this. And it's something I've, that's, I've processed over the years, like how well my parents built trust with us. Because you have a lot of parents who, especially when their kids get into the teenage years, I've, I've seen part of the rebellion, and this is not giving the children an excuse, because no matter, you know, how my dad messed up, I still was responsible. <laughs> was not often, of course, but 
No, but when he did, when I did feel like he was really in the wrong, I still had the responsibility to honor him. So, um, and so this is not giving an excuse for children and teens to not honor their parents, but I've seen how parents who don't have integrity um, and tell their kids to do something and, and live a certain way but don't do that themselves it's like they forfeit that authority, um, and their kids will be like, well, I don't know, why do I have to do this? You don't do this. And um, that's something, like, both mom and dad always walked in such integrity, um, and they were always the same in the home, in church, at our games, out, out with, you know, I mean, we were... We were in all kinds of circles of people who weren't believers and, um, you know, all kinds of different realms. And dad was the same everywhere. He was, like, connecting with people everywhere, talking with people everywhere. No one even ever knew he was a pastor. <laughs> like, because he didn't go around saying, I'm, I'm Pastor Mark or I'm this or that. Like, because his identity wasn't in that. He would, you know, it took years before, what was it? He was on the board of our local swim and tennis club. Because he just, he built relationships, he had character, he, um, people really, like, felt loved by him, and so they asked him on the board, and how long were you on the board? How many years before anyone found out you were even a pastor? Well, well, I was, <laughs> yeah, they, they elected me to the board in our first meeting, actually the first board meeting. We had okay. been there probably three years. Three years, okay. I knew what everybody else did for a living, nobody else. I, I don't share, it just wipes out conversation. You say, so what do you do for a living? Oh, please don't ask that. Then everybody starts acting holy or starts thinking. Or puts walls up. Yeah, or put just, walls up. Yeah. So, um, so we went around. You know, I knew what everybody on the board did. Finally, the hostess said, by the way, Mark, what do you do for a living? And I kind of sighed. And I said, um, I'm a pastor. And it was an E.F. Hutton moment in the room. It was like everybody just, <laughs> and you could see the wheels turning. Have I said something? Have I done anything? Whatever. <laughs> and, and she went, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't seem like a pastor. And I said, thank you. That's a compliment. But um, that's, that's something that, uh, yeah. But yeah, but our... all that being said, like, he, he was the same person in integrity and all of that regardless. And, um, and, and I will say this. Okay. Um, I'm a justice person. How many you want justice on everything? You go to a game and you watch a ref, and if they call it wrong, you say something. Yeah, I, that that's me. I will confess publicly um, that well, I grew I grew up in a culture where part of the sport is yelling at the ref. And if there's no ref, I mean that's why I said golf. It, it can't be a sport. There's no referee to yell at. You know. So anyway, but. But that was that was part of the thing, and so I will confess that there were times I yelled at the refs, and I was consistent everywhere I was. But just so you know, but anyway, I her 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 soccer coach first game, he came over to me um, about three minutes in. He pulled me aside and he said, "Mark," he said, "We're here to cheer the kids on." He said. I don't want you to yell anything that begins or ends with the word ref. <laughs> and I said, chastised. So I, I was better from then on. So. You were. You, you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. I want to just share a little bit 
um, combining some of this, but um, how you taught us to build trust as well is um, a few things that I'm really grateful for, was not grateful for as a kid, but now I very much am, um, is he, honesty was everything. So if we got caught in a lie, I mean, that was huge. And really, I think the only lies I tried to tell as a kid was for some reason I hated brushing my teeth and washing my face before bed. And so I got clever one time and was like, oh, okay, I know how to get around this, I think, without lying. And dad's like, did you brush your teeth and wash your face? And I was like, I brushed my teeth and did my face. Like, I just splashed a little water, you know, thinking, okay, that's not lying. And of course, you know, that dad's not buying it. He's like, what does did your face mean? Crap. I, I didn't say that. I wasn't allowed to say that word back then. But anyway, but that's just a, a silly example, but it was also really profound. Like, he, like, he really instilled that at such a young age. By the time I was a teenager, that was never even a, well, sometimes it was a thought, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't lie. Um, and, and that became really important, even just in my own relationship with the Lord and just in life. Like, wow, honesty is so important for trust, for integrity. Um, and another thing that I hated, but as an adult realized how huge this was in my relationship with the Lord, is dad would always say, to wait to obey is to disobey. Ooh. And, and for me, often my intent was never to disobey, but if he came, came past my room and was like, hey, uh, clean your room, I'm like, okay. And then I'm thinking, oh, I'll do it as soon as I finish this. And then he comes by half an hour later. He's like, why isn't your room clean? I was like, oh, I'm going to clean it. He's like, to wait to obey is to disobey. And I'd get so mad. Like, do it now. And I'm like, ah, fine. But that was so huge because then as an adult, I realized, like, when the Lord tells me something, I'll do it. Even if it scares me, if I don't understand, it's like, that instilled in me, you know, my earthly father instilled this in me that was, has been huge in my relationship with my heavenly father in, like, obeying immediately, and that's just been a really big key. Um, and he was also great with disciplining. He'd always, always, because uh, like, like he mentioned, we would, we would get in the most arguments, and uh, it wasn't usually probably 90% of the time my intent wasn't vicious, but it was because I'm strong and wanted to understand. Because if I understood, then I could take responsibility for it and grow and get on with our lives. And anyway, so we would butt heads and it, but also I wasn't, um, what's the word you say, mom? Like I didn't have tact for a very long time. No tact. <laughs> Do I have tact now? I've, sometimes. <laughs> I've, I've grown. I'm growing. Um, but so it would come across, if I was arguing back, it would come across very disrespectful. And I didn't know that. I didn't realize. So half the time, I had no idea why I was getting in trouble. <laughs> but dad was always great to, you know, send me to my room, let me think about what I did. He'd calm down. 
and then come and say, do you understand why I'm disciplining you? And if I didn't, he would explain it um, and then give me a chance to, to repent. And if I did know, I mean, I was already repenting to God, just like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, so just how he framed up the just godly discipline really instilled a lot of, of good behaviors, again, not just in our family relationship, but then how I walk with the Lord and how I look forward to walking when I do get to have my own kids. Um, okay, I'm going to s- swing down. We'll just touch on, okay, just want to at least touch on this because um, I feel like you did this really well. As a father, how did you affirm, guard, and protect your daughter's beauty, gifts, and safety? I think it was important, too. Uh, obviously, every parent is protective, uh, but affirming also telling you guys how beautiful you were, um, how special. Um, I didn't, and I think that the, one of the misconceptions parents have is, and, um, is it's okay to affirm all the gifts that your kids have, but... Um, Telling them they can be anything they want to be, make up their mind to be, is not really accurate. I, I didn't have two girls that could be NFL linemen, okay? They what? could not be NFL linemen. You know, um, they could be, pre- could they be president someday? Yeah, I, you know, the, there, are, there are ways to affirm honestly and, oh, and affirm and say there are some things that you are really, really gifted at and you can reach the moon on this or whatever. But being careful not to um, uh, to be dishonest with that, because I think it's important uh, to do that. Um, and I think that um, always emphasizing um, and talking about your faith um, and being very protective, um, yeah, that was all part of that. Uh, that guy running alongside the bicycle rider, um, kid riding bike, that was me. Um, and uh, I did that with Brittany the first day, and she was riding, and she fell into a bush. Mm-hmm. But that was that's one thing I remember. But uh, being very protective and uh, affirming, I guess, in ways. I don't know. Yeah, um, and that is something, too. Like, I was the girl who was, like, the tomboy, didn't wear makeup till after college, really. Um <laughs> And every day, dad would tell mom how beautiful she was well before she put her makeup on. And he would tell me and my sister that we were beautiful. And, and also, what was huge with that, too, is he walked in purity. He, wa- he has always walked in sexual purity. Not like, and it's like, so it was like when he was releasing that, it was so pure. And those were things that, you know you don't think of as a kid how your parents are walking in in that kind of way. Um, But looking back, recognizing how massive, because him just releasing that pure fatherly, you're beautiful. And and then we'd go, you know, throw the football around or something like. um, But that was huge. And, And, yeah, they always wanted to make sure they knew who we were hanging around with, where we were going. Um, uh, 
he got very, yeah, protective if, if we were around, especially any guys who, <laughs> you know, as a teenager you navigate, okay, I'm get, making my own friends now. I mean, and as an adult still, you navigate, like, who's safe and who's a little crazy, you know. Um, but he also, by being that protector and instilling that in us, I also knew, like, when I was like, oh, I'm never riding with that guy ever again. Like, he almost killed us, you know, and just um, those kind of things. Um, what? You got something? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you guys are you guys enjoying this? Is this yes? No? Okay. They're don't saying answer. it's better than a sermon. Don't answer. Don't <laughs> we just got a couple more questions. Can you all hang with us for another minute? Um, just okay. How did you prepare your daughters for building a godly culture in their future marriages, family, and home? Yeah, you can either. Well, so some of the big things we did is we always had dinner together and as a family and, uh, and talked. It was just sacred. We just didn't do anything else. Uh, we spent time as, as, and what ended up happening is the three of them are musical, so they would entertain me at the end of dinner doing crazy things. But it was, it was part, of, part of our family environment. Um, I think one of the things that... Um, and this wasn't unique, but uh, on her, both our daughters' 14th birthdays, I took them out uh, to dinner, a steak dinner. Took Brittany out, and, and I had purchased a promise ring with her birthstone, and it basically talked about the four Ps of promise. Um, I said, I'm going to promise to God to pray for you and for your future husband, um, the other P is purity, uh, three is purpose, and then perseverance. It was given to her, and uh, I said, you can wear this until you get married, and then, then you can replace it with your engagement ring if you do that. Mm -hmm. Still waiting. I don't know yes. why this is so long, but that's, that's uh -huh. kind of what we did. So, and I know parents, fathers do a lot of different things, but that's the one thing that uh, God led me to do in that thing. Yeah, and that that was allowing me as a fourteen year old girl to to knowingly like I think I was already there in my heart, but for my father to set up this where I was receiving that like um, that being framed up for me, and then also making covenant with God and with my future husband that I'm. This is my promise to God and my future husband that I'm going to remain pure and, like, you know, be fixed on the pur purpose of what our marriage is going to be and how God wants that to look. And the perseverance, uh, I've needed that more than I expected. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, really grateful for him, him not being afraid to, to frame that up as a father. Um, and, yeah, and even now, like, staying with them again for this season, it's like, you know, our schedules are, you know, a little bit different, but I make sure to, like, make time at least 
a good chunk of the dinners throughout the week to all sit down still because it's like, okay, let's, even as adults, let's keep this commitment to relationship and spending quality time together. Um, So that's been just extra special in this season as well. Um, Awesome. Okay, last question. guys good? How important is the father's blessing on his children? Should I read? Do you want me to read Bray's, what Bray said first? Maybe I can explain the blessing. Okay, you explain it. Blessing is sending them out with your, your endorsement, your blessing, that we believe in you, we love you, and uh, sending them out with that um, in a positive, positive way. And it's very important. Um, I have a friend, a pastor, who wrote a whole book um, on the the dad's blessing, and I I need to get a hold of it. But it's very important that our children know that they have our blessing and affirmation. So That's good. Can, yeah, Bray Bray wrote something great. I'll read. Um, she said. The Father's blessing is so beyond important. I've realized as I've grown up how significant it is when my Father supports and believes in me. When there is a blessing, I feel like I can do it and do anything as long as he's behind me. Ugh. When I've doubted myself and questioned myself I've felt and felt knocked down, the very thing that fuels me the most is when my dad affirms his love for me and that he is actually proud of me. Even when I feel like a complete wreck and that I've made a mess of everything, nothing speaks louder to me than that. And it makes me want to be the best I can possibly be for my future children and even for the loved ones around me who don't have a father affirming them the way that I do. It is the greatest gift. (laughs) Yeah. And just to add to that, Bray and I have been for years in different seasons in L.A., Atlanta, in in the music and entertainment industry, which is full of amazing people who are very broken and didn't come from homes with fathers. And even a lot of the spiritual fathers in those contexts are trying to use, use and abuse their gifts or their celebrity or different things. And Dad has gotten to release blessing on a lot of our, especially our female friends who don't have that from their own fathers in certain ways. Like even I I was riding with one of my friends in Atlanta who is a single girl who comes from a very broken home, loves the Lord, but has never had a father protect her, let alone help her with anything. And we we're riding in her car and got pulled over and there was this really weird situation and and it was a little bit dangerous and I'm calling my dad and anyway when we had a moment where no one else could hear I like put dad on speaker and we told him the situation and he's like okay like I'm praying and then he helped with some practical tips (laughs) on how to navigate and then I'm like, okay, and then I, like, I'll call you back, and I hang up. Anyway, after that, and everything was okay, but after that, she just started crying, and she's like, 
I've never had a father figure or anything that I could even call in this kind of situation, and that so blessed me, and she was just bawling. And so he's been able to be that for a lot of our friends, too, in some amazing ways. So anyway. If I, if I could just insert here, too. Many of you are parents, and you are grandparents, even great-grandparents, and you've been walking this journey a lot longer, and you could probably tell many, many stories and a lot of advice. Um, being the father or parent sometimes is more important as our kids get older. I, I thought, they're 18, now I can take my hands off, go get out of the house, go do something, get a job, whatever. Um, instead, discovering that fatherhood continues and sometimes is more important as the older they get. And I found that with my father because he had been a pastor for many years and I would call him and say, Dad, this is what I'm facing. What what do you what do you do? And oh he had he had advice. He was my father till the day he went to heaven. And that role, no matter what age you are, no matter what age your children are, grandkids, mm -hmm. that role of fatherhood is so important continuously. And I just want to, as we close today, I just want to affirm you as fathers. We've just shared some of our thoughts. I don't want to in any way lift our family or lift me up as the epitome of a great father. I've made mistakes. I've done things wrong. I've, uh, by God's grace, I, I remember my dad was complimented on his fatherhood once, and he said, you know what? All I can say is it's the grace of God in prayer. <laughs> and that's all I can say. There are no manuals for parenthood. It's really God's grace and it's prayer. And you don't know what else to do. You pray. And there have been many times I've been in that position knowingly or unknowingly where my girls were because Brittany was in L.A. all by herself almost for 12 years. Bri Brianna was down there with her many times, not not sure what was happening and feeling getting up in the middle of the night. You've probably experienced it getting up in the middle of the night, feeling there's danger and kneeling down by the bed and just praying because you don't know what else to do. That's why I'm still paying for the cell phone uh, to make sure they have cell phones. <laughs> I, I know that's, <laughs> I, Thank you. it's been one of, the, one of those things. Um, I said, we're gonna, if you're in L.A. all by yourself, you're going to have a cell phone. So, so uh, we're waiting for the, both our girls to get married so I can take them off my cell phone plan. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Do I hear an amen? Anyway, um, I, w I wish, in some ways, I wish we had more time. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. Do you have any final thoughts or anything? Um. Just one quick thing I just wanted to add in that we didn't mention is with, with mistakes, there was always humility in a quick, like, commitment to resolving, not appearing to resolve, but not letting the sun go down upon our wrath. And um, if we were about to walk into church or to somewhere as a family and we had been fighting or whatever, it was like, okay, we can't go in in disunity because we're going to bring that with us and we're not just going to like suck it up and appear like we have it all together. Let's quick 
in humility, apologize, repent. We can work through the details later, but just be in a posture of actual honor towards each other and, um, and quick to repenting, uh, which is huge as well, uh, especially for a father. Um, it's hard when it, you're not wrong so very often. You know, just it's just, to no. Add that that's in. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we're not no. at all perfect, but that was yeah. also an important piece. So. Yeah. I think if I have anything to say, it's um, prayer and humility, realizing we are human and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to, it doesn't matter how experienced you are, or how old you are as a parent, and, and not to minimize. Um, I mean, God created husband and wife, a team. And it's critical that uh, the marriage function as a team. And, and you guys know that. Um, and so uh, that's the commitment. And I just have to say, and our, our girls gave their lives to Jesus at early age, I think at four and seven, something like that. And the role of the Holy Spirit in their heart is absolutely critical. Um, that, that they had the living God inside of them from an early age because life is tough. Life is really hard. And it's getting complicated. It's much more complicated. And we, if we had time to share this morning, we would have, have all kinds of stories about how God intervened and how we've had ups and we've had downs. We've had challenges as people in our congregation, challenges with our children, challenges with our parents. Um, it's just, that's what it is. It's only by the grace of God that we can say um, we are where we are today. And that grace is extended to all who are in Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him because that's the only way we can be all that we were created to be um, in Jesus Christ. Um, father, mother, son, daughter, grandparent. Yeah. It's God's role for all of us. And I just want to say I thank God for all the godly fathers mm. here. And yeah. thank God for you. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Yeah. Father, we thank you that, that you've created a, an order for family. And family is the foundation of our society. And I just pray, God, that you would continue to build up godly fathers among us, no matter where we are in our life. And those that are about to become fathers or someday will be a father, that you would prepare them for fatherhood. And we thank you that you as God the Father have demonstrated that love and you are our heavenly father. It's a relationship that we have with you. And I pray that you give us freedom and strength in that relationship with you, God, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.